0: Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment, episode number 95. And John, I don't want to waste a moment because I think today this this topic is so crucial to everybody, especially those that are in ministry. And so introduce it. What are we talking about today?
1: The title of our, our uh, pod today, Jim, is the New Metrics.
0: New Metrics. What and to measure. measure. Yeah. Oh, so hard. hard.
1: Yeah. COVID-19, uh, the pandemic and the quarantine associated with it radically impacted the way churches measured success. Yes. Uh, I mean, it, it turned historical metrics on, on their head. Um, yeah. You know, for many churches... Prior to the pandemic, dare I say, most churches, uh, prior to the pandemic, the metric was ABC attendance, buildings, cash. Yeah. That was, uh, or for those churches that were a little more spiritual, you know, uh, the numbers that screamed success included salvations, baptisms, small group participation, serve rate. But can I say, in
0: 30 years of ministry, no one's ever come to me and said, so how many people did you baptize last year? They always say how many people are you running.
1: There you go. And, I, and I, I
0: don't know why we do that, but it are I mean, maybe I do and I don't want to talk about it. But I yeah, there's how many you're running? So how many you're running? You know, what's yeah. the size of your church? I'm like, oh, it's I don't know, the average person is probably about 200 pounds, I would guess, you know, and just how do you how do you answer that?
1: <laughs> but even those stats, you know, and I like some of those other, I mean, those other measures, you know, baptisms yeah. things like that, but even that got turned on its head. Yeah. Um In the last 16 months. I mean, what do you think about that? Just as as you look at the landscape, Jim, and what's changed in terms of metrics, what's your perspective?
0: Well, I I think two things. I think, number one, I'm not God. But if I were, shaking it up so that we ask the right questions versus Mm -hmm. the wrong questions would be something I would employ. I I would want... I would want something that was being trusted and that was a bad foundation to be broken up before people built too much on it. Mm. The second thing I think is this, that yeah, we, I don't know anybody, I'm sorry, I know very few, I would say three to 5% of the churches that have more in physical attendance now than they did 18 months ago. Very, very rare. Uh, The average I'm finding is probably somewhere around 70-ish percent, Mm. uh, down to about 30%. And depending on Washington, D.C., 30%. Fenton, 70, 80%. Uh, Sterling Heights, you know, 70, 80%. Right. So, um, but it seems odd because there's less people attending, but there seems to be a greater commitment from those who attend. And I, this is the wrong word because it makes it sound like people were dead and we cut them off, but pruning. It feels like we're doing more with less because we, which are alive and remain, are, are a different type than those who just kind of went to their favorite theater on a, a semi monthly basis to get a movie that inspired them to be a better whatever. So I, I, I think it's been good for the church, but, I, but what we measured for success and failure, it, literally we've had to just throw out that old model. You have to for two reasons. One, it, it doesn't paint the right picture. And two, it's so depressing <laughs> to look at. You, you have to find we're 70% of like, stop. We're hundred percent of today. We're not, we're not 70% of a year ago. We're a hundred percent of today. And and the question that's the right question to ask all right questions to ask we need to ask those
1: questions so i i think uh, covid really did expose that tendency of ours right to look at those numbers those categories yeah um as uh lead measures rather than lag measures let me let me explain
0: yeah explain that
1: yeah a lag measure has to do with the result right or the fruit of something right a lead measure is the driver or drivers that affected that result or contributed to it? So a, right. a lead measure has to do with process; it has to do with approach. Right. Um, uh, they they are lead measures are are things that we actually can control.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Lag measures have to do with outcomes. Right. And fruit and and lag measures are what we can't control. Right. You know, Jim, when I was a campus pastor about five years ago, um, I was one of the one of the biggest revelations of that one year uh, journey that I took um, was how little control I had over who showed up. Yes. But I had full control over the experience they had yeah. when they did. Right. And and so, it, you know, I, I I think it's time for us to be talking about metrics and, and I agree, you know, here's mm-hmm. the theory. If we, imp- if we improve the lead measures, we probably will enhance the lag measures. Yeah. If that makes sense. So absolutely. You know, the new metrics, I think Jim are going to be more art than science, you know, yeah. more, more art, more art than uh, mathematical. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it shouldn't shock us, right? I mean, this, the apostle Paul really had this figured out, right? He said, I planted the polished water. Those are lead measures. Yeah. But God gave the growth. That's a lag measure. Right. And I, and I wonder, and I don't, I don't mean to say, I don't say this to be hypercritical. I'm just throwing myself into this as well. Did we get it wrong during those years prior to the pandemic? You know, um, were, we, were we measuring lags when we really should be focusing more on yes. the leads?
0: Well, and the thing is I can manipulate the lags. I can bring right. in a guest speaker. I can have flaming angels swinging from the, you know, and I'm not saying those things are wrong at all. Right. I mean, but I'm saying that if, if the only thing I value is that number, And that, and I associate that with my success or failure before God and man. I'll do an awful lot of things to increase seating capacity without really thinking about sending capacity and discipleship. So we we can get off base uh, if if the only thing we're concerned about is that Sunday morning number.
1: We we can get in big trouble real fast. Yeah. Yeah. So Jim, I don't have my arms all the way around this one yet. Yeah. If, If I just want to be perfectly transparent with those who are listening or watching today, I'm still wrestling with this, but I. I, is it okay if we just kind of wrestle with each other? And we may not come to any great conclusions today. So we apologize in advance if you're disappointed. But <laughs> um, uh, I just would like to share some possible ideas, some lead measure metrics that might be possible for us moving forward. Right. Does that sound good? Perfect. Hit me. Okay. So here's the first one a flawless guest experience. Yes. You know, from the parking lot to the lobby into the worship center, what is the guest experience? Yeah. How, how does our church, how do our people communicate care and genuine interest from the street all the way to the seat? Yeah. How, how do we shape a guest focused culture? I said yeah. it earlier, we can't control who walks in the door, but when they do. Let's ensure that they find true heart connection with other people and a reason to come back. Uh, People are not going to come back necessarily because of the great preaching. Mm -hmm. They're going to come back because they met somebody who connected with them and showed interest in them. Uh, The first year at our campus, Jim, we had over 500 guests come to our campus uh, when we uh, launched the church five uh, years ago. That's an amazing number in one year for a a, a church in a small community, 500 guests. And um, we probably retained, I would say we probably retained 30%, which is three times the national average. How did we do that? I think we did it because we were relentless about this first lead measure, this guest experience. What do you think about that one?
0: yeah I, I think I think we all know this to be true even though you know leaders don't walk into their business more than once and pastors don't walk into the, for the first time more than once. but when we walk into a store, we decide right away if it's well managed, if it's clean, if it's orderly, if it's organized we look at the people, we look at the product, we look at the placement we look at the we decide whether or not this is a uh, oh I don't know a, a Walmart or a Target you know or um, a Dillard site so we, we, we can tell. And I think that walking from the I like from the street to the seat, there's a lot more decisions being made than, than we're aware of. I, I think people have already categorized, already wondering what they're doing here or so glad that things are going well. And I think too, Chad Dearman, who's been on our, our podcast in the past, um, he made a statement probably 20 years ago. I never forgot. He said, people want to go to a friendly church for about three weeks. And then after that, they want friends. Mm-hmm. And so to, so to have that, built into your systems where every 50 chairs there's a, a volunteer pastor if you will that memorizes names and remembers stories and somebody okay. raises their hand they they minister to them that, that sort of personal in a high tech world we really value high touch places okay. and to be that place where they walk in and and it's you know why do people go to bars? Why do people go to clubs? Why do people go to join gangs? It's people want to belong somewhere. And when the local church becomes that place where they're valued, then it, it opens the door for what the church is actually there to do, which is to lead them to Jesus and make disciples.
1: Right. And Jim, one more thought on that first point. Yeah. Is when, we, uh, when we were part of that campus, um, we insisted that everybody on our leadership team function as a guest-focused person.
0: Yes. Yeah, and
1: funny. And we said to everybody who served, you're on the connection team. If you are on the worship team, you're on the connection team. If yes. you're in children's ministry, you're on the connection team. If yeah. you are in the tech booth, you are on the connection team. And we yeah. were relentless about that. And we, and yeah. we modeled that and we rewarded, when, we rewarded that and celebrated that when that happened. And it was just amazing to see not only was it pro- programmed in a way, but it became part of the DNA of that campus. It's great. And, and it and people I haven't been the campus pastor there for four years and it's yeah. still our home base. And when yeah. we're there, it is so awesome to see that DNA still there. Yeah, that's it, special. It, it, it's really special and it's doable. Uh, that's so secret that's sauce. Good.
0: Yeah, that is that is secret sauce type stuff. So I think, I think you right. know, if we spend five hours preparing for a 30 minute sermon, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you spend five minutes saying be friendly to people today, let's say a quick prayer and go do it. I, you, you may have been better putting one of those five hours, you know, four hours in your sermon and one hour into having training time with that team to create that culture. That's, that yeah. is huge. That is, I love that.
1: So here's another lead measure I'd like to suggest, you know, and again, none of these are, are in stone, but these are just thoughts I've been having is, is a crisp, powerful worship encounter. Sure. Um, and I think churches would do well to conduct an honest evaluation of the worship experience. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, sometimes it's hard for churches to do that, right? Because yeah. they can't see the forest for the trees. And, yeah. uh, but, but I, I observed this as we've come alongside been invited into a church to put a fresh set of eyes on the worship experience among other things. Yeah. Often Jim, there, there, there is this insider bias yeah. in a worship encounter and worship experience. Um, and, and, you know, one of the, so, one of the questions I think we could ask, or several sets of questions we could ask ourselves as leaders, is you know you know how do we determine that if, if our church has got an insider bias or not? Well, one, if you only use terms in, insiders understand, you may have an, an insider bias. Yeah. Um, if you assume guests know what to expect on a on a weekend gathering, you may yeah. have an insider bias, right? So yeah. when we when I was a campus pastor. Every Sunday, we would start by I would introduce who I was. Yeah, because I didn't want to assume people knew who I was, yeah. and we wanted to say uh, welcome to any guests that are here. Here's what's going to happen today. Here's yeah. here's what to expect. Right, and and then in the middle, the transition between worship and the preaching, we made sure that we we uh, welcomed the guests again and gave them opportunity to let us know they were there and all that kind of stuff. Um, when we assume guests know what to expect. Um, we, we probably have insider bias. Yeah. Um, let me give you one more. Uh, yeah. when, we, when our gatherings are sloppy and they have wasted time and they don't invite the presence of God yeah. and the presence of Jesus into the room, um, yeah. we're, we've, we're, we're, we've lost some of the things that's made the church compelling all along. Look, yeah. people need good information but they also need power encounters with the living God. Yeah. And so creating space, here's a question to ask uh, uh, under the second Chris powerful worship encounter metric is, are we creating space for God to do what he wants to do right. within the confines of our gatherings? And I know if you're running multiple services, I'm telling you, I know the pressure of that, right? That yeah. there's fine. a time constraint, there's a time yeah. pressure, but I'm just wondering is this a possible, this one, a possible lead measure of crisp, powerful worship encounter? What do you think, Jim?
0: Yeah, I, I think too, especially with COVID, with, you know, the altars are not open. Nobody's praying with people. We're dismissing uh, altogether now. Everybody <clears throat> stand up and leave. Mm-hmm. And now with, you know, most of that being all over with, and I think in 99% of the people's minds, 99% of the church's, you know, programming, regaining that, that, that muscle hasn't worked in over a year. So now hey, during worship, if you want to come to the altar and have a, you know, you need prayer for the sick, you need, we, I think you almost need to have a, a, a resurgence or a reopening, a grand reopening of encounters with God. Because I, I've preached and you've preached thousands of sermons, yeah. but it's the things that God has said to us personally that's changed our lives. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, I, I mean, sermons have helped me and I sermons to me are kind of like meals. I don't know what I had a week ago, but I know that I'm still using it. I know that it, it made me healthy today. But it, you know, that encounter with God, when God speaks to you from a burning bush and you know it's him, that needs to be part of what people come expecting, right? That, and what, are, what are the advantages of walking into your building versus just staying at home and watching it on your computer? One of that is that you're, you're together in a corporate setting and making room for God to move. It's,
1: yeah,
0: yeah we're not, we're not, honestly, we're struggling with this one, John. We're, we're not, we're not finding our way back to where we were. Uh, you know, hey, the altars are open and nobody comes forward. Like, huh, that's weird. You used to. Before, which are young people that led the charge. So what happened? Well, our young people stayed home. They're watching it online. They their community on Monday night or Wednesday night, or you know. So we we are missing something. And the old people never led that. Old people, you know, the people that are in their 50s, the really old people, you know. So we're we're trying to recapture. It. I think you're absolutely right. I think people come for a variety of reasons to see people, to encounter God, to have a corporate worship experience. And if we say, well, you can't see people. There's no time to encounter God. And so just enjoy the sermon and the music. I think people will stay home. I can get that at home without walking through the doors.
1: So so here's a third one, third idea of a new metric. And this one's a little bit long. So just uh, if you're taking taking notes, and we'll have show notes, by the way, for this. So you won't have to scramble too hard. Um, An organic and organized approach to discipling new believers and even seasoned believers who've never been discipled. yes. Um, Jim, I surrendered my life to Jesus at age 16. Yeah. And within 24 hours of my conversion, you've heard this story. Yeah. Uh, I had a Bible in my hand and a mentor in my life. Yeah, and, and My mentor's name was Rick. I'll never forget him. He yeah. showed me how to read scripture. He taught me how to pray. He, he told me, John, the most important thing you'll do every day is to spend time with Jesus.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: and, um, and so being... Invited into not only that teaching of his, but then he invited us into his life, me and uh, several other young men, yeah. and uh, we played basketball together. We went out to the restaurant together. We were able to watch Rick operate as a Christian in the, in the real world, and and you know it was such an amazing start to my journey. And there was a there was an organic piece to that, and there was a little bit of an organized piece. And I wish. Every new believer in Jesus would have a similar beginning.
0: Yeah,
1: um, you know, discipleship, as Jesus exemplified it, is relational. Yes, at, at its core. I mean, obviously, he 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 transferred information to the twelve, right? I mean, he he had teaching time with them, but discipleship is more about transformation uh, mm-hmm. and life change than it is information. Here's the here's the thing: I can't control who wants to be discipled or not. That's a lag measure, right? I have yeah. no control over that. The lead measure for me, include me as the leader, reaching out to a few people and inviting them into that kind of relationship. Yeah. Creating space yes. to observe, um, people. I just had breakfast this morning with a young man, 29 years old, Christian, and, you know, just dealing with stuff, right. That normal people deal with. And, uh, I don't know if there's going to be a discipling relationship emerging from that, but I would hope so because I'm an old guy and I've learned a few things along the way. And he's wrestling with things that I wrestled with at age 29. uh, And at age 29, it seems like it's the end of the world thing. You know, like if I, (laughs) if I mess this up, my life's over, you know, so I don't know. I, I think, I think this, I think the last 16, 17 months, Jim, have really kind of pushed this possible new metric to the forefront. What do you, what do you think about it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it should have been all along. I, I, I get so frustrated with systems sometimes because you, like the public education system. And this is no slight on any teacher or administrator of public schools, but-
1: Yeah, we appreciate what teachers do, right? Yeah,
0: but it it was designed during the Industrial Revolution to give the average person enough education to be useful on the assembly line. And And I hate that the church, you know, again, let's be very careful not to do the same thing to believers. We need to send you to a class so that you can become basically educated to become laborers in the factory of church growth. Jesus didn't disciple that way. Uh, You know, it was very personal, very, um, there was a, you know, as as he's teaching, we read the books, like the major thing, major thing, major thing. But you read between the lines, they walked from this town to that town. Well, that was a three-day walk. So between major things, there was campfires. There was the Sea of Galilee. There were sunrises and sunsets and roosters crawling and dogs barking and bread being broken. And, you know, there was a lot of relationship between Jesus and 12 guys. And I and those 12 guys, we could draw a straight line from those 12 guys to our eternity. So it wasn't a waste of time to have deep relationship with a handful of people. There were, Jesus had his one in John, his three, and you know, Peter, James, and John, his 12, and the 12 disciples, and his 120. And I think we'd do well to say who is our one, who is our three, who is our 12. And I think it's okay if if the person that's in our three today is not in our three a year from now, because we release them to get their own three.
1: That might even be advisable, right? I mean,
0: the- yeah. Yeah, I think the difference between a club, a click, a club and a church, right, is is we release people to go be what we've trained
1: them to be. Yeah. So the first three were a flawless guest experience. These are these are possible new lead measures. Yeah. A crisp power a crisp and powerful worship encounter. You know, nothing drives me crazier as a guest than a service that is full of wasted space.
0: Oh, so and I'll so leave easy. it
1: at that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> an organic and organized approach to discipling. And then here's a fourth one that I think we have a lot of control over, Jim. And that is preaching and teaching that connects. Yes. Yeah. Preaching and teaching that connects. We have an absolute tsunami of information at our fingertips. Yeah. The problem is we often don't know what to do with that information. Yeah. We don't know how to take it and make it work in our day-to-day existence. Um, I have a new friend. His name is Andy Swart. Um, and Andy is the, uh, teaching pastor at a church in Keller, Texas. And, uh, he, he taught me a lot about this particular lead measure. Just this, just this, probably in the last 12 months, we had Andy on one of our, in one of our huddles, pastor huddles teaching this or presenting on this subject of how to preach effectively, teach effectively. And he gave us three, um, things to think about as it related to that lead measure. First one is to know the word. Yeah. Know the word. Effective talks start in the study. And he he talked about preparing thoroughly and prayerfully. He he said this, that microwave talks rarely move people. Sure. Um, It's those messages that we, the messages that we preach that are the most effective are the messages that we let work on us first. So I love it. Know the word. Secondly, know your people. Yeah, he, he said this, it takes more work to preach in the language of our hearers. <laughs> but we can do it, you know, as long as yes. we practice it diligently. He, under that point, he says, discover their problems and preach with those problems in mind. Yes. Uh, and here's the third one. Uh, under this fourth lead measure, I'm just trying to give you some practical thoughts here. And that is to know yourself. So know the word, know your people and know yourself. Uh, some pastors fall into the trap of denying their God-given wiring and gifting and in, in, in their admiration for their favorite preachers. And, and I could, I, and I have done that many, many years ago when I was a young guy. We, we uh, can be tempted to preach or teach like they do, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I tried that one time, Kim, actually only once.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and we we all know why it only happened once,
1: right? (laughs) I I, I was about 23 years old, year out of college, and I tried to preach like the fiery revivalist R.W. Schombach. Now, many people won't know who R.W. is, but if you're in our tribe, you you know who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jim, it was the worst sermon I ever preached. Yeah. It was (laughs) horrible. Absolutely. And people looked at me like, that's not you. Right. Stop. Thankfully, they were gracious to this 23-year-old kid. So no part of preaching and teaching in a way that connects is knowing how God's wired you. And then just be true to that on the platform. What do you think about this third piece, Jim? Well, it's
0: funny. You're talking about preaching like R.W. Shambach. I I remember um, I used to be part of like a youth choir, a small, really bad youth choir when I was a G.I., And, and I remember we went to sing in this place and they wanted us to all kind of walk down the hallways and sing Lord of the harvest, place your fire in me. So it was a, we can't be heard. And I'm singing bass and they're singing tenor. And I, I don't you know, so I said, don't worry, we're going to we're going to play the track that has the, the words on it. So the, 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 they're the guy singing is going to be singing and you're just going to be kind of background. And I, I I came out like some sort of Christian Milli Vanilli lip syncing It it, it was like to this day, I'm embarrassed. I want to I want to send an apology note to those that are still alive in 1984 when I when when that happened, 1985, because it was just I I pictured that like I'm going to I'm going to lip sync when God made me an original. I'm going to do lip syncing. It it doesn't make any sense. And people know that. I mean, if we have anything, you know, we got a baloney sandwich meter on us. That's that's pretty good. We know when people are faking it, you know, we that's why we don't trust the car salesman the way we trust our neighbor. Yeah that's why we don't trust the guy that's going to date our daughter because we used to be that guy and we you know we have a pretty good bologna sandwich meter you know so i, I would say that yeah i i would i would rather hear sincere and not great preaching because in the sincerity there's a value um, in the person's heart there's a value I, than than to hear the hermeneutics of lucan historiography you know brilliantly displayed and it doesn't apply to me it wasn't sincere. It didn't come from your heart. I, this is, this is pretty simple stuff. And yet it's profound when we recognize God wants to use you, not your imitation of somebody else.
1: These Are not exhaustive, Right. I, I think many more of them probably exist. Um, but in, I think we're in a brave new world, you know, and you I, I fear if we try to reestablish the old metrics which were primarily lag measures. Yeah. We're going to miss what God is trying to teach us here. You're going to miss it. So so if I could just say this, work on what you can control. Yeah. Plant and water. Those are lead measures and trust God for what you can't control. Yeah. Which are the results and the lag measures. Those are (laughs) lag measures. And if you're not getting good results back up and look, and look at the lead measures. Maybe those need some fine-tuning. Maybe some of those lead measures need to be kicked to the door. Yeah. Um, and I think this, that and then we're wrapping up here, Jim, because we're really uh, over time here. Yeah, yeah. The, I think this, I think these new metrics hold the promise of more peace for pastors. Certainly. I, I mean, they require more faith, but they keep the credit for the results where they belong. Yeah, squarely on the shoulders of Jesus. Yeah. And that's our heart today with this. It's not to say we've got this understood totally or we've nailed this. We're wrestling with this. And we want you that are listening to wrestle along with us and figure this out in your context.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. I I love it. Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites because they're nothing but actors and pretenders and posers. And yet Paul comes back and says, I become all things to all men. So that all possible means, you know, but he says I, not, not my imitation of John, mm-hmm. my imitation of Peter's. I, I have become, I, I relate to my audience now. You know, I understand what they're going through. That's that's very biblical and 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 easily applied, right? Have lunch with somebody, tell me what I don't know about the average person in my congregation. They'll talk, you know. So John, thank you so much again. I know we're out of time, but thanks for everything. This uh, is just a great opportunity for our hearts to come together, our staffs to come together, our families to come together and ask the right questions at the same time. So God bless you, our dear listener. We're out of time, but we hope that you will join us again very soon as we continue to lead From line.